Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Batman with you on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Oh, no, that's Brian Haydad. It's just a Batman t-shirt. You would see that if you were watching on supertalktv.com. We're glad to have you along. Thanks for spending part of your Thursday afternoon with us wherever you are or however you're listening. The ceasefire text line is open. If you would like to be a part of the conversation this afternoon, that's the best way to do it. 601 601- 879-4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a Seaspire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how Seaspire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. 63 degrees and sunny. In Northern California, San Francisco, TPC, Harding Park. That's where they're playing the 102nd PGA Championship. Brooks Kepka taps in for par to finish his round four under. He shoots a 66. That is one off the lead. The leader in the clubhouse right now, Jason Day, with a magnificent 65 in the first round. Uh, golf course not, uh, not biting too hard today. Very little wind. Uh, it's not gray and windy like they had predicted. It has been sunny and spectacular, and the scores have been really good. Jason Day in the lead at five under. Scotty Scheffler, Martin Keimer, Xander Shoffley, Bud Cauley, Zach Johnson, Brooks Kepka, and Justin Rose all at four under par. Tony Finau is at three under par. He shot a 67, as did Kevin Kisner and Daniel Berger and Gary Woodland, and just a bunch of guys, and then the cat. Borky the Cat has birdied three out of the last four and is playing really good golf. He is three under par, two shots off the lead. Tiger Woods playing just his fifth tournament of the season. Yeah, you love to see that. And uh, not Mm -hmm. to brag my pick, Daniel Berger. I have not seen many people talk about him going into the week, but since the PGA Tour has returned, he has missed one cut every other tournament. A top 10, he has a win in a couple top fives. And his Sunday scoring is remarkable. So uh, he was my pick. I tweeted it this morning to make sure it was locked in. But uh, good to see my guy with the early uh, positive round. I love the views there. No laying up, pointed it out. Uh, We don't get major championships on municipal courses all that often. Right. But I do love the combination of Bay Area trees and foliage and scenery and the marine layer and stuff. And then city buildings in the background. The combination of those two I think is pretty cool. It's really cool. And if you watched any of the coverage on Golf Channel live from the PGA Championship uh, that's been running since Monday, you may have seen kind of the story of uh, of Harding Park. This was a uh, wildly popular golf course. Um, 
up through, what, the 1970s. I mean, some of the all-time greats played at the uh, the San Francisco City Championship, which is, I think it's like the longest-running city municipal championship in the, uh, in the United States uh, over 100 years. But the golf course fell into complete disrepair. And uh, then there was a local group, um, Sandy, I can't remember his last name, uh, former president of the USGA, along with uh, Charles Schwab putting up some money, and former San Francisco Mayor uh, Willie Brown. They kind of came together and resurrected this. They got the American Express Championship. They hosted a President's Cup in 2009, I think it was. Uh, first time, though, a major championship has been uh, has been held at Harding Park, and it really is a beautiful course. You got cypress trees kind of lining the fairways. It, it's it's different. It's not like a in your face difficult bunch of blind shots, bunch of crazy dog legs. It's a pretty straightforward golf course, but it's long, seventy two hundred yards, and it's playing as a par seventy. So it is certainly challenging, even for the best players in the world. Oh yeah, and I love the two hundred and fifty yard par three, which I would probably pull a driver for at this point. I mean, I can't really push off my right leg anyway, but. It, Love that. I think 66 players, you're talking about number 16, right? The par three? Yeah. 66 players have played that hole today. So par three, 16 have hit the green. (laughs) I mean, they're not even into the afternoon wave yet, but uh, pretty pretty remarkable numbers. Hey, Dad, you've been watching the coverage all morning of the PGA Championship? No. You don't seem as excited about it as we are. No, y'all, y'all, y'all carry it for me. I, I, I have not. I watched a little of the first half of uh, Wolves Olympiacos in the Europa League, but other than that, no. Uh, there you go. All right, Borky. So you said you picked Daniel Berger. You did it on Twitter. I made, uh, I made four picks last night, and I can prove to you that these are the guy I picked. And I, I did it kind of based on the odds. So I took Brooks Kepka at plus eight fifty, and I know that's a oh, not really going out on a limb there, but he's just played so well in majors. And his game's trending in the right direction. I took Patrick Cantlay at plus 2,000. He goes off this afternoon. That's who I was Sung J.M., who also goes off this afternoon, South Korean, really talented. He was plus 8,500. And then got Tony Finau at plus 4,500. And Tony Finau sitting at uh, three under. So All those are good. Yeah. Significant payouts to my so I've been uh, playing DraftKings lately. Uh, yeah. In the absence of the ability to go to the sports book to do my random occasional uh, sports betting, and they haven't really been here to begin with. But um, my DraftKings lineup is like Brooks and DJ and Daniel Berger. I mean, this app allows you to pick all the best players. It's not even fun. At least you had to think about it for a little while. Tiger makes a bogey on number eight. That is his 17th hole of the day, and so he falls back to two under par, three shots off the lead. I think they finish the number nine. uh, Isn't number nine a par five? I think that's right. So, anyway, we'll see. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, good to be with you this afternoon. And some fun stuff to get to, some college football stuff. We still do not have an SEC schedule. Do we, hey, Dad? We we don't have that, do we? We do not. We have a Southern Miss schedule, though. We do have that, and uh, we're going to have uh, our good friend Luke Johnson joining us in just a little while to talk about the additions and the changes. 
to the Southern Miss football schedule as they have begun practice this week. You remember, we were talking about the the NCAA said you can go ahead and start practicing uh, as you would have otherwise. It's the SEC that for its teams, because the season is not beginning until September 26th, they said, yeah, you're not going to start practicing on August 5th or August 7th or, or whatever it is. Uh, practice can begin on August the 17th. Is that right? I think it's Monday the 17th. Yeah, that's, that is correct. Yep. Yeah, so uh, we're uh, 11 days from the start of uh, camp uh, for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Southern Miss has started practicing this week, so we'll talk with Luke Johnson uh, about that coming up in uh, in just a little while uh, with you this afternoon. We'll keep an eye on what's happening with the uh, golf tournament. But how about Big Ten? Just when we need a little bit of drama, because we haven't had any drama in the last five months whatsoever, Jim Harbaugh is the one that provides it for us. He is, uh, I guess, the villain in this story. And Ryan Day coming back strong at the uh, coach from the uh, school up north. You guys see this story? Yeah, and it, what was originally reported was only half true. So sadly, Ryan Day in this Zoom call did not say, you better hope there's a mercy rule because we're going to hang 100 on you. Back to Jim Harbaugh. Unfortunately, that was said to his team in a team meeting after he let them know that Jim Harbaugh snitched on him. So unfortunately, that did, that exchange didn't happen. However, um, I love this kind of stuff. And Jim Harbaugh's a clown, don't get me wrong. I think this is a joke, and uh, you shouldn't be snitching on Ohio State. What you should do is try to learn how to not get embarrassed by them every year. But we needed a little normal rivalry BS stuff in college football to talk about for once in a few months. All right, so there was a coach's call in the Big Ten, and this story comes from Bucknuts, which is the 24-7 Sports Ohio State website. It's a huge website. Uh, Weekly conference call with the coaches on Monday where Ohio State's Ryan Day and Michigan's Jim Harbaugh got into it, according to this report. Uh, Harbaugh interrupted... Ryan Day, while he was talking, saying that Ohio State had violated rules by having on-field instruction and drills take place already when that's not allowed in college football. Harbaugh also noted that Ohio State linebackers coach Al Washington was seen in a photo working with linebackers. Ryan Day retorted, how about I worry about my team and you worry about yours? And then as Michael Borky said, in a team meeting, Ryan Day relayed the story to his team and said... Hope there's a mercy rule in place because we're going to hang 100 on them. It was originally reported that he actually said that on the call, which would have been the most fantastic thing ever. That's Barry Switzer level if he had said it on the call. Yes. You put him right there in that tier. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I am on board with it. Didn't do that, although it did get out. Uh, Ohio State of Michigan, October 24th, a little bit earlier than normal. Uh, not that that's a game that needs the stakes raised at all, but uh, perhaps the stakes have just been raised. They do need to be raised. Have you have you looked at the last fifteen years between the two? <laughs> well, they don't need to. They don't need to be raised <laughs> on one side. <laughs> one of those two teams has got it figured out. The other one, eh, not so much. Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you Thursday afternoon. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along for the ride on this Thursday afternoon. Weekend just around the corner. This week has gone quickly. 
Sacramento beat New Orleans by 15 earlier today. Nothing like a noon 30 tip-off inside the NBA bubble. 140 to 125. The over was probably a good play there. By the way, great news coming for Pearl River Resort and the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Next week, next Tuesday, we will visit with Chris Hopwood, who is the um, uh, director of the sportsbook at Pearl River Resort, in anticipation of an August 14th reopening of Pearl River Resort and the sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. I so, got excited there for a second. I thought we were going to visit visit with them. Oh, well, that's coming. That, that, oh, that's coming so. very soon. I hope so. And we can't wait to do it. Just not quite there yet. But the uh, sports book and the casino are going to reopen on Friday, August the 14th. Chris Hopwood will join us uh, early part of next week on Tuesday. Kind of talk about the reopening plans and what's going on as uh, we get set for, um, I don't know, something that feels a little normal. Certainly a place that feels like home to us. So, yeah, the over would have been a good play there. Um, I hope you didn't take New Orleans to win, though, because good gracious, they gave up 140 today, Borky. It would have been worse. Look at the first half scores. A guy named Bogdan Bogdanovich mm-hmm. roasted them today, and he's always a good shooter. He's been a good shooter, but his name is Bogdan Bogdanovich. 35 Bogdan Bogdanovich. <laughs> I mean, come on. The, the, the thing that kills me about uh, this you think team. His buddies just call him BB. They've got to, right? You, you've Bog, been Bog. Bogdaned. <laughs> I mean, he's a special shooter. Don't get me wrong. Hey, he's long, Bog, too. Bog. But, I mean, what, what kills me about this team and. Kids got alligator blood. Seriously. <laughs> Pay him. Pay that man his money. Pay, pay Bogdan his money. All night long. Check, check, check. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Borky. Tell us more about Bog Bog. Oh, I, Bog I didn't just don't know what you're talking about. Is this a movie that came out before I was born when you guys were in your teens? Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is one of the great movies of all time. It's called Rounders. Uh, John Malkovich plays the uh, Russian mobster. It's a poker movie. It's actually one that you would really, really, you would like really enjoy. Oh wait, we've talked about this before. Yeah, I really need to sit down and watch it. Do you know wait, where I can get it? Uh, I got a copy of it, but yeah, I mean just. Google what? Rounders Streaming, and you can find it. Richard, Who we played, played what? A, a copy of it. Uh, what is this, 98? Uh, I mean, we don't have DVDs anymore. Yeah, it's a good point. Actually, I think the copy of it I have is probably a VHS somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, no, even even less. Who played Worm? Um, Ed Norton. Ed Norton. Yeah. I mean, it's Matt Damon, Ed Norton, and uh, John Malkovich. I mean, it's a heck of a cast. Yeah, the, the cast is fantastic. Really cool story, too. Yeah. Anyway. Bog Bog and uh, your frustration with the Pelicans? Oh, it's it's just it's the same thing over and over. So at least now that they've performed so terribly defensively in the bubble, that it'll spark change at the top. Because it it's one thing to have a young team where at times they get confused defensively. Like Jackson Hayes is a rookie, and he only played one year of college ball after only playing one year as a starter in high school. So... When you have complex offensive sets with elite-level athletes, he's probably going to get lost and confused at times. I mean, that's going to happen to a rookie. So you'd expect a young team to you know, screw up on their rotations or not switch the right way. But when you're in an empty arena 
And there's not only no defensive communication, but it's laziness, the body language is poor, they don't rotate at all defensively, and then the rotations, like, like substitution rotations, don't make any sense at all. It's just so consistently bad defensively that you've got to stop blaming a young team anymore. There's something wrong schematically with them to give Bogdan Bogdanovich nine, and one of his misses, he was six of nine from three. One of them was a uh, a half-court heave at the end of the quarter. So in reality, he was really uh, six of eight from three. When he is constantly the best shooter on that team and one of the better ones in the league, given wide open looks where not only is your point guard that you're about to give a max contract to not closing out whatsoever, but nobody is even trying to get a hand in his face. You've got a real problem, and maybe this will spark change because this happens too much. It happened before coronavirus happened, and it's happening now in the bubble where good shooters are either not scouted correctly they're not switching on defense. They're not rotating on defense. And they're not closing out on be- the high-level shooters like Bogdan Bogdanovich. And oh you get smoked. It's embarrassing. And then in the post game, the coach sits up there, oh, no, I don't think it was a lack of effort. We just ran into a team that shot well. Well, why do you think they shot well, Alvin? Why do you think they shot well? It's because Alvin! NBA players, when given open looks... Knock down open shots. That's why you ran into a good shooting team today. Because they had open looks all freaking game long. Man, Borky's going full Stephen A here, man. It's My ridiculous. Gosh. I mean, how how can you sit in the post game? Richard and go, Cross, how could this have happened? How dude to dude, tell everybody? Dude, 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 oh, I don't dude, think dude, I don't think dude, it was dude, effort. Uh, it's not an effort uh, thing. They just shot well. Oh, well, oh my well, god. It's because Bogdan Bogdanovich got eight open look at three. Eight Bog, of, Bog, Bogdan. And he made six of them because he's a great shooter. That's what happens. <laughs> what do you expect? I'd like to see Cap make this putt for birdie and to finish at three under. That'd be great. Lakers clinch the one seed. They're, they're good to go. Uh, LeBron's hurt, though, isn't he? Uh, I mean, yeah. that lingering uh, groin it's lingering. issue. He'll tell he'll, he'll, Shut him down for the next few days. Who cares? Yeah. Done. They need to do that. Turn. Turn. Ugh. Tap in par for Tiger at the ninth, which is his 18th. He will finish with a 2-under 68. Close enough. You will absolutely take it for uh, for the big cat. You know the execs, by the way, at ESPN and CBS are really happy with that 2-under round today. Well, I mean, not only are they happy with 2-under... They got Tiger in prime time tomorrow. Yeah, I thought y'all said this. This was on the West Coast. This was the golf was going to start when we were off the air? What's going on out there? No, it's going to continue until well after we are off the oh, air. Okay. Like live okay. coverage didn't begin until three o'clock central, and that was as kind of the morning wave was wrapping up its uh, part of the day. Yeah, so they stack it where the guys that go in the morning on Thursday play in the afternoon on Friday, and so we will get Tiger Woods teeing off about this time tomorrow and you know you think a five-hour round that's going to carry you to uh seven o'clock central eight o'clock on the east coast so ratings tomorrow will be fantastic and then when you get the when you go to the final uh, you know especially on sunday when the leaders don't tee off until three 
or 3.30 local time, you're talking about them. Well, let's see. What time, Borky, would they tee off local time? 2.30 maybe? Yeah. So that would be 4.30 on the East Coast, 3.30 where we are. Uh, so, so you're looking at a 7.30 Central time, 8.30 Eastern time finish on Sunday at the PGA Championship, hopefully with Tiger in the mix. Mm. Sign me up. Not a great round for uh, Justin Thomas today. He uh, shoots two over 72, and it really went sideways for him on 15 when he hit the ball into a cypress tree and it didn't come down. Like the cypress tree had a catcher's bit up there, lost ball in a tree. So they were looking for it for a while. I'm not well-versed in the, the intricacies of the rules. So if they find the ball, why is that different than not finding it? They, they spent so much time looking in the tree to find the ball, but if you know what's up there and you just can't see it, I mean, why keep looking? I mean, it's, isn't, I mean isn't there... Because you're taking a drop regardless, but... Isn't there a um, like an emphasis on the player to find and identify that that is indeed his golf ball? Yeah, I, guess, I mean it would yeah. be the the it would be the difference in playing lost ball versus unplayable, which is still a one stroke penalty and you're taking a drop. I think. Am I wrong on that, Borky? Buddy, I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, most in, in youth golf, it's mostly like, do you know what I'm supposed to do here? Well, hell, I don't know. Just drop it. You know? <laughs> I mean, well, just do a stroke and drop it right there. We'll keep playing. So I, n- I well, never did, really did, got to learn Okay, the I was not book. watching at the time. Did he have to go back and re-tee? I mean, that, that would be the... Di- if, I, I, like I said, I was not watching the coverage, but, I mean, if it is lost ball off the tee shot, if he had known that on the tee box, he would have had to hit a provisional. I think I've got uh, got a message coming in from a friend here. Lo- yeah, lost ball, you got to go back to the tee box and hit their ah, shot again. Okay. Whereas if it's unplayable, you take a drop there and a one-stroke penalty. So, yeah, that's the difference. And he made double on 15. Thanks, DK. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Finish. The flags go down. The fans get up. And they get out of town. The arena is empty except for one man. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Got some real live football news in the state of Mississippi on this Thursday, and that is the updated schedule for the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. From the Southern Miss Football Twitter account earlier today, the tweet was, It is time. Feast your eyes on our new schedule. South Alabama on Thursday night, September 3rd. Nine days later, Louisiana Tech. Tennessee Tech added to the schedule. Tulane on September 26th. That is four straight home games to start the year. A road trip to North Texas. FAU at home. UTEP and Liberty on the road. Rice at home. Western Kentucky on the road. UTSA at home. And then a closing game in Birmingham against UAB. That is, count them, seven Home games. Luke Johnson joins us right now. Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, Luke is co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. Seven home games, Luke. Yeah, Richard. Only took us a hundred years to get seven home games again. Last time and the only time Southern Miss had seven home games, nineteen twenty. Is that uh, one of your favorite seasons? 
Yeah, I was, I was there. I had season tickets uh, and probably the only little reception that was there. Um, huh. You know, there was a lot of question coming up. We knew they were going to replace Jackson State with an FCS team. Tulane, probably about a week ago, became the obvious choice because they're opening with Mississippi State. But uh, even on Eagle Hour today, when we were signing off, we were still uh, unsure whether or not it was going to be a home game simply because uh, that would give Southern the seven games, home games, uh, and hadn't really happened before 100 years ago. So kudos to Jeremy McClain. I mean, you get four straight home games. I remember growing up as a, as a kid going to Southern Miss games. It was one season when I was probably like 10 or 9 years old. We only had three home games. And most of the time growing up as a Southern Miss fan, you got four home games. So the fact is that they get seven. Um, exciting for the fan base. And in the press release today, um, all signs point that fans will be allowed in some way inside the stadium. Uh, in that press release, it said that tomorrow they're going to make uh, additional uh, information known about tickets and stadium protocols. Um, and, and the real reason for moving uh, South Alabama up to September 3rd was uh, Jeremy McLean said that it would give them more time between game one and game two to just make sure everything was taken care of to make sure the Louisiana Tech game could be played uh, and just for safety and, and health of fans and players and everybody. All right, so clearly the release of the schedule is a step in the right direction. Does it feel like the the release of the squ- schedule equals positive momentum? I certainly think so. Uh, you guys um, follow sources on, on, on Twitter and stuff. Brett McMurphy put out today, Middle Tennessee and Troy are scheduling uh, two games against each other this year, home and home. And so, hmm. you know, Southern Miss was looking at that. We talked last week, you know, maybe you put a UAB on the schedule twice. The very fact that Conference USA made it uh, possible for, for uh, Conference USA teams to do that, the fact that Southern Miss doesn't have to do that, I think will provide a whole lot more normalcy um, to fans and players knowing that they're going to play 12 different games and they didn't really have to just do something crazy unique like that. So I think it, it's the best-case scenario. You get an extra home game. Um, and uh, you know you you may be one of the you're going to be one of the only games on, on Thursday September third too. So I think it's a positive for for everybody involved. Which game is the biggest challenge on the schedule? Which game? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. The the, the, the three game stretch now with Tulane, North Texas, and, and Florida Atlantic. Um, pose. I would say just simply looking at it is the September 12th game against Louisiana Tech. It's probably the earliest conference game that Southern Miss has played in several years. Um, it's to uh, a team that uh, will finish in the top half of the West. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on the Golden Eagles really early. So you could divide the season up into two different seasons. And, and uh, in season one, the first six games, Louisiana Tech is the most important to me. Because if you lose that one, you might lose the West by even losing one game. What do you think of the matchup with Liberty? First off, I'm just thankful it's going to happen. Um, Liberty been trying to keep everybody on their schedule. And if you look at that ACC non-conference schedule that came out, um, Liberty on there a few different times. So I think it's uh, there's, a, there's a little back history here. Um, Liberty wanted to join Conference USA, and I think Trust Powers and Conference USA didn't want to deal with the political side of the leadership. 
of, uh, of of Liberty, and so Conference USA missed out on that, and I think it they, they missed out on it in a big way, uh, just because of the facilities Liberty has, and and I think because of the the money situation there, they could rise you know fairly quick. But um, I think it's a it'll be a challenge, obviously on the road um, with a Hugh Freeze offense. Um, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough road game. Um, and you put that in with all the, the COVID protocols and what's the travel situation going to look like, even from an administrative standpoint, you know, uh, flying this year, uh, will be more costly just because there's less money to go around. So all things considered, I think it's a pretty difficult, uh, difficult game, uh, for the Golden Eagles. Luke Johnson from the Eagle Hour on your radio, Sports Talk Mississippi. is visiting with us on the uh, the Farm Bureau phone line. So practice has begun or is beginning. Where are we right now on uh, on fall camp? Golden Eagles hit the field yesterday, so they had a, a morning workout today. So day two in the books. You know, sh- uh, shorts and, and jerseys, just, just light stuff, uh, just some early indications. Looks like Don Ragsdale, who was a junior college transfer out of Hines Community College, um, he's going to be toting the rock a lot this year, and uh, you might even—you uh, can't really tell too much after day, you know, just after two days. But man, things indicate that Frank Gore Jr. appropriately number twenty-one on the roster, so trying to be like his pops, hmm. uh, he might see some work um, as a true freshman too. This backfield is extremely deep. Travinsky Mosley's back. Uh, D. Baker, uh, real fast. He's uh, a uh, Richard freshman. Um, from uh, Lower Alabama, from the Mobile area, fast kid. Um, Jack Abraham feels, I guess, ahead of the curve on the offense. Matt Kubik was talking the day after practice and really um, commending Jack on uh, really grasping the offense. And Matt Kubik, obviously you missed the spring install, the new offense, but doesn't feel like the Golden Eagles are that far behind the eight ball. And I think he spoke a lot to the, the senior leadership this summer. Um, Jack and some other guys really leading through those voluntary workouts. And so, obviously, they wish they could be a little further along with the install, but not. they don't feel miles behind um, on, on the offensive side of the ball with the new offense. What does it look like in terms of protocol? Um, testing, social distancing, masks, all of those things as they just kind of go through practice and do the day-to-day stuff that has to happen? Yeah, it, it's just kind of... You know, standard everywhere. Temperature checks, uh, coaches, some pictures out of uh, practice with coaches and mask on. By the way, uh, practices are closed the entire year, obviously, uh, for uh, for those of us in, in the media. So um, they've been hopping, a coach and a few guys hop on a Zoom meeting. Jack Duggan, that's how they so they're just really good at getting all that information uh, out to everybody. So, yeah, the pictures that we've seen, just keeping distancing, keeping temperature checks, and, you know, people masking up as best they can. Doesn't feel like that probably bothers Jay Hobson all that much, does it? That uh, that there is nobody other than his staff and his team at practice. Based off the extensive information that he gives out in sports interviews, Richard, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so you need assistant coaches for those Zoom calls, not Jay after they finish up, right? Yeah, you just you, I, I played for Coach Hop. I, I know him. I love him. He's a football coach, and uh, he literally gives you the X's and the O's, and that's what you're going to get from. I remember one time JT was doing a live uh, a live show right outside the field house, and, and I went upstairs, and Coach Hop graciously came down and talked to JT. We were in a commercial break. JT asked Coach Hobson about the, the new, you know, roll and tackles where you just grab the ankles and then roll, and he was asking his opinion. Jay Hobson 
gets JT to stand up and starts showing him how to form tackle right there live on set. It was pretty incredible. But that kind of speaks to the type the big Jay Hobson is. Yeah. Did he actually take JT to the ground? Because this story just became so much better if that actually happened. I, it didn't. But, but Hop, I think <sighs> he wrapped up on him. I think he brought the hands uh, all the way yeah. through and may have even grabbed cloth on, on the back. So it was a, it was a pretty good form. That is, uh, it's pretty good stuff, um, no doubt. And it feels like exciting news. Uh, I think a good news day for Southern Miss, and uh, oh gone. We're pretty close inside a month now uh, until Southern Miss opening on a Thursday night. Any any guess at all on television for that game? Hasn't been announced yet. Um, you would think they did a lot better job last year um, with with the different options. So, you know, as soon as we find something about that, I'll let you know, but but not sure yet on. All right. Luke, thanks for your time, man. Have a great weekend. Bye, guys. You too. Luke Johnson, co-host of the Eagle Hour, Super Talk Mississippi in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Southern Miss uh, schedule looks a little bit different. They added Tulane. That uh, replaces the game against Auburn. They also added Tennessee Tech. That replaces the game against Jackson State. Seven home games this year for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this. Got a split finger wrap and his rope pulled way too tight. He's got a lunatic Disciplinary action in Louisville, Kentucky. Borky, you found the story during, uh, during the break. What have you got? Yeah, so in case you missed it, we mentioned it briefly the other day about how Louisville football had to shut down their uh, preseason workouts in direct response to a party that was held where 29 Louisville student-athletes have tested positive for COVID because they went to this party. Well, it turns out it was hosted or thrown by three Louisville soccer players, all of which were kicked off of the team for it. Now, they had previously broken team rules and were punished before COVID happened, so maybe this was the final straw. However, three Louisville soccer players kicked off the team because they threw a party that derailed the football workouts. Mm. What did I say? And then three Somebody's others. Gonna be made an example of. Yeah, Here we you, go. You picked the soccer team. <laughs> uh, yes. And they suspended yes. three others as Smart. well. Smart. Don't yeah. don't get don't kick the football guys off. Oh, who did soccer? Get them out of here. You guys are not being suspended for going to the party, but the people that hosted the party. Adios. Um, that's a pretty strong statement. But that's kind of where we are right now. I mean, what we saw um, Kevin Sumlin dismiss a player or suspend a player from the Arizona team for not following the protocols. And and his rationale was, look, if you're not going to do the things that we need you to do to protect our football team, then we can't have you around. We, We just can't. Um, and I think that makes sense. You know, you you know that coaches are talking until they're blue in the face to their team about, look, this is a this is a different year. It's a it's a different time. You've got to behave differently. If football is important to you, we've got to have you make smart decisions. You can't go to parties. You you can't. Not wear a mask. You, you got to do that wherever you go. Now let, let's limit going where you don't have to be. Even when you're hanging out with your buds, be smart about it. 
guys that are on the team. Just be smart about it. No, it's not fun. No, nobody likes it. But that's what you've got to do this year. And if you've got players that are just openly and blatantly ignoring that, you know, it's bad enough for a guy to ignore it on their own, right? I'm not wearing a mask. Okay, that's one thing. But if that rubs off on teammates to the point where you're trying to kind of pull them down as well, then eh, now you've really got a problem. And I would think more than anything, that's what coaches are kind of fighting against is, you know, let's try to avoid bad decisions and let's not let bad decisions become contagious. Because it's going to be hard enough to play this season regardless, right? I mean, even if you're doing everything right, that doesn't mean you're not going to uh, catch COVID-19 somewhere along the way. You're going to test positive for it. But when you're not doing things right, it's just going to make it so much more difficult. And it's worth noting that even though they got off to a rough start in the most recent round of testing, no Major League Baseball player tested positive. So the league got a wake-up call. They started taking things seriously. They also were given babysitters. But on top of that, nobody tested positive. Do the right thing, and the right thing happens to you. Imagine that. Somebody sends us a text message that says getting kicked off the team is garbage. Why is it garbage, though? If you've previously gotten into trouble for breaking team rules and you're already, you know, whether it's in the doghouse or you just want to say you're, you're already kind of on thin ice, and then you break a rule that leads to dozens 29. of other student athletes coming down with positive tests, what, what, what's garbage about kicking those players off the teams? I, I don't understand. Kind of goes back to what we talk about all the time. You're free to do whatever you want, but you do not have freedom of con- from consequences. Yes, there, there's nothing inherently illegal about you hosting a party. When you host a party in a pandemic that leads to a whole bunch of people getting sick and that breaks the protocols or the team rules that your coach has put into place, and you are already... You know, on strike one or strike two, well, bye. I know I said that in maybe the wrong time. Maybe it should have been, well, bye. (laughs) But I don't see how that's garbage. We're breaking out all the 90s classics today. We've got Rounders, Tombstone. What's next? That's two pretty strong ones right there. Empire Records will be next. And that is two pretty strong ones right there. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour quickly in the books with you on this Thursday. bunch to get into. We have not even scratched the surface on yet. Don't go anywhere. Take a shower and Four o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That's the best way for you to be a part of the show this afternoon. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan. That's actually what it says Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. Noble, ceasefire.com.
Or you got you ask a question about bubble, right? So the NBA bubble has worked quite well. Yeah, zero positives. The product's been good on the court as well. Uh, but it, couldn't you argue that golf in the PGA Tour has been the biggest success story in sports since the pandemic began? Because if you think about it, there's been no real drama. I mean, their first tournament back, they did do demonstrations, but those were not... When you, when you think about what the PGA Tour did, they were not politically driven. They didn't tie themselves to a political organization. It was a demonstration directly related to George Floyd, how he died, full stop. So yeah, they, the, what, they, There was a pause on the golf course. A, a siren went off or a horn went off at, I don't remember the exact time, 8, 843, 30, I think. 843, 837, that coincided with the amount of time that there was a knee on the neck of George Floyd. And everybody everybody on the golf course just stopped what they were doing and stood in silence for a minute. Yeah. And that is... And you know what they've done since then? Nothing. In terms of social justicing? Nothing. Nothing. And in... You know what else has happened? Their television ratings have been off the charts. And that's the thing. Not only have they been off the charts, everybody's were. I mean, even the first couple of NBA games, for some reason, those made headlines at not being good, but they were way up compared to pre-bubble. Now the games and the days after, different story. The PGA Tours not only were up at the beginning when they returned, when they were the only show in town, they have maintained Mm -hmm. being that high up. Hello? Should I get it? Answer it. Housekeeping! Uh, I'll (laughs) let them get it up front. And even their social justice demonstration was something that the vast majority of people can agree with. It wasn't a political stance. So they avoided drama. There there hasn't been any controversy of any kind. They had a handful of positive tests before one tournament, and they handled it extremely well. The players isolated. uh, The caddies that were involved, a couple caddies tested positive, they isolated, and there hasn't been any kind of positive test or outbreak since then. And then the ratings, like you said, are, are way, way up. NASCAR I think, was fine, but they had some controversy. The PGA Tour in golf is the biggest <laughs> yes, winner. They did. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Uh, they've been the biggest winner in sports since the pandemic begun. They quickly put on a product. They have put on – the quality of play has been very good. They've maintained their bubble-style atmosphere, and they've completely avoided any kind of political controversy. No other sport can say all of those things at once. Here's the other thing. So, so yeah, you pointed out there were, there were some positives at the beginning. Not a bunch, but a few. Caddies. You had a couple of guys that sat out a couple of weeks because somebody um, close to them had tested positive. But think about this. Major League Baseball can't work. They're flying from city to city. Okay, they're doing the the, the private plane, the, the charter plane for a bunch of guys that are flying place to place, but not everybody's doing that. You got a bunch of guys taking private planes from a course to their home to the next course, whatever. They have played golf in Fort Worth, Hilton Head, South Carolina, Cromwell, Connecticut, Detroit, Michigan. Two weeks right outside of Columbus, Ohio, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Memphis, Tennessee, separate you know, separate field tournament or uh, alternate field tournament happening at Lake Tahoe. 
And now they're in San Francisco. This is the 10th tournament back. And they've literally crossed the country. And it's working. And it's working exceptionally well. A lot of credit goes to the PGA Tour. Now they've done it exclusively without fans, but here's the thing. Yes, there are no fans there. You don't have the hundreds of volunteers at each tour stop that you have. But you can't have a golf tournament without people there. You have cameramen, you have announcers, you have tournament officials, you've got maintenance staff. There are people there. Now, TPC at Hardy Park, instead of there being thirty-five to 40,000 people on the golf course, there are a couple of hundred. But it's still a couple of hundred in addition to the players and their caddies. But that's still 500 people on the property. They've done a great job. And they're reaping the rewards of it. And look, I mean, okay, does that give you a reason to be positive about college football? Yeah, probably not. I mean, it's kind of so vastly different. We don't have any bumping and grinding at the line of scrimmage going on at Harding Park. We don't have high fives and touchdown celebrations happening. I, I get that. But it is sporting event with people around who are, for the most part, being really smart about how they approach things. I mean, it, it may be—I mean, it may be massively apples and oranges. It is, but those are still round things that you eat, so they're at least relatively similar. I mean. It's not like it's been the same guys going from stop to stop either. They, they've they tried to create as much of a bubble as possible with one guy going from one event to the next because they take the same airplane and stuff like that, but these are fields that are changing every week, so these are guys staying and leaving. So clearly when they leave, they and their caddies are doing the right thing when they're gone because you mentioned the two tournaments in the same place in Ohio. The fields were very different as far as the number of like who played in each tournament. So even though they stayed in the same place, they, they brought in a, a bunch of guys, a bunch of guys left, they brought in almost a new set of guys, and those guys left without issue. So they're doing the right thing inside of the tournament, and clearly they're being responsible outside of it. So there is a way where you can play sports and travel when you're playing these sports and not get it. All you have to do is just not be selfish and stupid. Now, there's a chance that when you go to the grocery store, which is not a selfish and stupid act, that you can still get it. But it's clearly working for these guys. They're doing something right. Mr. West in Guntown says, yeah, Major League Baseball can't get anything right. The KBO has played over 70 games with nothing going on. Heck, they're letting people in. Now, yeah, I I noticed the other day watching a KBO game, it's, hey, that's actual fans in the stands. That's not cardboard cutouts. They're spread out, and they're cheering, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. A couple of reactions to no bumping and grinding in the fairway like they do in the line <laughs> of scrimmage. Yes, I chose my words carefully there. <laughs> but they're all negative to begin with, so even if they did bump and grind on the fairway, um, mm, yeah. we need to get uh, a guy with uh, Journey playing out of his golf bag like Caddyshack, and maybe they could go do that out in the fairway. But um, 
You got. I mean, that that's at least age appropriate for you guys, right? I mean, that movie came out in the seventies, so. Yes, I mean everybody's a great movie. Caddyshack. Um, it's, it's 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 generational. But that's the thing. It's kind of like Christmas Vacation. Even if they did, sure, it wouldn't matter because they don't have it. That's why the. I mean, basketball is a physical sport. They're sweating and breathing on each other and whatnot, and a. a a climate-controlled room where that's been a problem with spread, apparently. It's harder to spread it outside than inside. But since they're all negative, nobody's spreading it to anybody. Um, man, I, I got so many thoughts running through my head. You know, yesterday I was really frustrated when we got the... Uh, the decision locally for the Oxford School District to push back two weeks. Um, and so I got all this stuff spinning around in my head of, of and and it's like everywhere I look, there are two sides to everything, right? I mean, well, maybe you're doing this from a safety standpoint, or yeah, but but things are happening. Life's happening in certain places. Life's happening on the PGA Tour. Mr. West, a second ago, said Major League Baseball can't get anything right, and yet they kind of have. They've survived two team-wide outbreaks. Miami Marlins have added 16 new players to their roster and won their first two games back. Cardinals are about to get going again. They avoided shutting the league down completely. Was it a bumpy road? Yeah. Are there teams in Major League Baseball that are playing their 13th game of of the year today? While another team's playing their sixth? Yes. But they didn't just shut it down because there was a little piece of bad news. I don't understand why we're doing that. I don't understand. Brooks Kepka in his post-round press conference said, feel good, playing good. I mean, no reason to be real scientific with it all. I mean, it's like he wakes up in the morning thinking, how am I going to get Bryson today? Man, he just, I can't just, I like Brooks. I like watching him play. He's a great player. I can't decide, though, if what I think about this manufactured chip that he has on his shoulder. I mean, he will take like some one-off comment that Brandel Chambly says on the Golf Channel and use it as motivation for six months. I don't, I don't think he does. Oh, you think I think he'd... there's, I think there's one. I think there are two things that motivate him. Number one, major championship trophies, and number two, money. And maybe that's even reversed. Maybe it's money one, and major championships two. But major championships pay more than the other tournaments. And. I have it on good authority that his Nike contract is incentive-laden and has kind of a multiplier effect in it. And so when he wins a major, that deal gets a little bit sweeter and a little bit sweeter. And him winning multiple majors in a calendar year, I I don't think anybody's going to break Phil Knight. But Bryson's giving it a go. So, I think the rest is just for show. It's like to entertain himself, Borky. 
I think he likes taking shots at people. I think he likes digging at people. And he wants to tell you, I'm not really that close of friends with Dustin Johnson. And they may not, like, talk and text four times a day. Those guys are friends, though. They just are. What do you think texting Dustin Johnson is like? Simple. One word answers the whole time, like your wife is mad at you. Yeah. Okay. Not, he's not going okay. <laughs> he's just going K. I love it, though. Golf needs stuff like this, right? It's kind of a stuffy sport, especially in the absence of Tiger Woods. There really hasn't been a polarizing figure. And Brooks can get a little boring at times, but having stuff like this, a little <laughs> drama, a little spice, a little you-know-what talking, throwing shade at pointing at ants on the ground because Bryson did that, saying this in his post-game, post-game, uh, post-round press conference. The sport needs a, a little bit of juice, a little spice, and stuff like this brings it to it. It sounds superficial because, well, the sport should be all you need, but, man, a, a little rivalry between the beefed-up nerd who hits bombs but also has meltdowns and the steady major champion who's also beefed up himself that acts like he doesn't care and has this model girlfriend where they post pictures on Instagram, like racy pictures on Instagram. This is all good for the sport. <laughs> it attracts a a young... Hey, Dad just went from paying yeah. zero attention to parking up, sitting up, turning around in his chair. is like, racy pictures? Racy pictures on Instagram? Th- th- what? This Instagram you speak of, who is it I need to be following? What? What's the name? Brooks Kepka. But the the thing is, though... I don't want to see racy Jenna, pictures. Like Jenna, Sim- Jenna Sims is actually, I think, who you're looking well, for. Well, you'll find her, too. I didn't remember her name. I, only, I She is a super talent, though, at finding the camera. It's amazing. So, in Memphis, he hit the tee shot in the water on 18, so he loses, loses the tournament. And somehow, some way, she found herself in front of the camera after Brooks is walking off the green after he blew. Hey, can can I tell you? Can I tell you a little secret? She doesn't find the camera. The oh. camera finds her. Yeah, but yes, it I mean, does. I mean, no, 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 no. Let me tell you how these camera out, these camera operators work. Let let me tell you. I'm just I'm just telling you. Oh. I'm sure there's an element with to a it. A bunch of those people through the years, and uh, they—it they, is not an accident. But there they, are other wags out there, wives and girlfriends out there that golf term there would be. Um, I, I need to say this nicely: that a camera guy would want to follow more. And they don't, though. That's where I'm coming from. Is She gets more camera time when there are others that would also be prone to that kind of camera time. I hear you tiptoeing around there, bud. I'm trying. I'm trying to be as nice as possible. Hey, let me, let me switch to something that could really get us into trouble. Oh, yes. It is with great trepidation that I bring this topic up. But I don't really think it's that controversial. Although I think we're going to find controversy in it at all. So the website's up where you can look at all the different uh, submissions for the new state flag. Yeah. And we mentioned earlier in the week you had the, uh, as Haydad likes to term it, the urination simulation in JPEG form on a flag with In God We Trust in rainbow letters up in the top left-hand corner. Have you guys seen the Great River flag design? You seen this? I, I saw it. 
this morning, and even though nobody's asking me, although maybe they should, uh, that's a winner. <laughs> so, hey, Dad, it's a it's a navy blue background with a white crest. It's, it's a crest with a single star above the crest, and then it's got In God We Trust below it. There's a website called greatriverflag.com, so they do a pretty good job of like laying it out and showing all the different symbolism pieces and you know all that, all that it stands for and what the different parts of the flag mean. But then they have mocked up a like just the crest design and put it on the football helmets of Southern Miss, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss. And you want to talk about a sharp, simple? Well put together design. I'm not necessarily advocating for this. I mean, we're going to get some options to vote on in November when this comes around. And I, I will 100% keep an open mind between now and then. But if that is the option that the flag commission ultimately settles on to put on the, val- the ballot, I, by the way, I didn't say that well. We're not going to get multiple options. We are going to get a proposal from the flag commission and it'll either get 50% plus one vote or it won't, and will therefore be adopted as the new state flag or it won't. That That's the process. So I'm not, like, trying to – but of the things that I've seen, I mean, there are a bunch of bad designs that are submitted. You can go through and you can look through all the 2,000 or so of them that have been submitted. There are a few that are pretty good. This one kind of sets itself apart a little bit, though. It stands out. And it's also simple at the same time. Those are the best state flags, man, are the ones that, at least to me, are the ones that are unique in their design, yet very simple. Very few colors, very few shapes, just a very simple flag. South Carolina, Colorado, Arizona. I mean, even Texas, although it looks like different countries. But easily recognizable, simple design, yet unique to you. And I think this one hits all everything. Well, and I, I'm there. thinking about I'm thinking about what that logo would look on the front of a golf hat or, or just a baseball cap. Yup, I like it. Looking at it now, it's pretty sharp. I mean, navy blue ball cap with just that little crest on it. Yes, please. Yes, please. I still think we yeah. should go with the one with the SEC logo in the corner, but I don't think that's going to win. <laughs> don't know that that one's going to get much traction. So, yeah, if you want to look at it yourself, um, greatriverflag.com is the website. And, and I listen, I don't know who all the people are behind this submission or, or whatever. I just know it's really well done. I'm not advocating this should be our flag. But based on the options that I've seen that are out there, the submissions that I've seen that are out there, this one kind of separates itself in my mind. And I don't see, I mean, other than that there are some people who don't want in God we trust on the flag, but that's going to happen, right? I mean, it's... It has to. It's, it's yeah, well, that's, what, that's what was happening. Was, bill, yeah. Yes, I mean, it's, that's going to happen. Whether you want that or not, it's going to happen. But when it comes to merch and stuff, like with your hat, that doesn't have to go there. No, 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 it doesn't. 
Mike and Oxford. I guess the point that I was going to really make sharp about on a polo too. So oh, so good. But the, but the, and again, it's the actual flag that's got to have in God we trust. Now, but the point that right. I was making in that, other than that, in God we trust, that is some people don't like it. There's absolutely nothing that could be offensive to anyone yeah. in that crest. That what, logo. What Borky said about merchandising, I would totally buy that in maroon and white. And a black and gold one would look good for Southern fans. And a red and blue one would look good for the Ole Miss fans. I mean, it looks really sharp. Think about that flying over your tailgate. How cool that would be. Yeah, yeah. Think about that with a football player holding that flag running out in front of the team onto the field. Mm-hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along on this Thursday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Um, Luke Johnson joined us earlier on the uh, Farm Bureau phone line. Southern Miss added a couple of games to its schedule, and they are going to start things in less than a month. As we stand right now, they are going to play on Thursday, September 3rd, against South Alabama to start the year. I said earlier this week that it felt like we were hanging on by a thread. Pick your analogy. If you prefer, you know, balancing a marble on the edge of a knife or or whatever, you you, you get the idea. But, man, just... (laughs) Just a little bit of good news can go a long way, and that felt like some good news for Southern Miss today. I don't think that Jeremy McLean would have been scrambling, trying to move heaven and earth in the last week to add a couple of games on the schedule and then release the schedule if they didn't have the anticipation they were going to play. Help me out here. Why is it that, at least as of today, the Conference USA, and with all due respect, does not have the financial resources of the SEC, is confident enough to schedule 12 games where the SEC is only scheduling 10. What is the, the reason for that? Do they anticipate some cancellations? And so they schedule 12, hoping they get 10? Or why are they going to 12 when the SEC is not? I don't know. I mean, I, maybe you got too many smart people in one place. Maybe there's compromise that has to be going on because different people look at the situation in different ways. Maybe there are fewer people in Conference USA that are scared of their own shadow. Maybe at the Conference USA level, they're not as concerned about some of the things that are being put out there in terms of united fronts and demands from players because they know those players don't have the same mm, platform is not the right word power 
far less leverage in the Conference USA than leverage the Leverage may be the right word. Maybe leverage is the right word. Also, maybe they're, you know, a little more, uh, I don't know if desperate is the right word, but they need to play games. They need to make money more. You know, the SEC knows that, hey, we're going to be, at the end of the day, the SEC schools, they'll, they'll take a beating this year, but they, they'll survive it. A lot of group of five schools don't know that for sure. So they're going to try to play as many games as they can. Yeah. I mean, think about this. You've got um, the ACC releasing its schedule with dates today. And so you've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ACC teams will be playing their third game as it stands right now on the schedule on the day that the SEC opens play. Here are your September 12th games. So they push the season back one week. Boston College will play Ohio. That's their one non-conference game. Clemson will open with Lake, uh, Wake Forest. They have not yet added a non-conference game. Duke will open their season at Notre Dame. Florida State will host Georgia Tech. Louisville has added Western Kentucky as its non-conference game. Miami will play UAB on Thursday night, September 10th. North Carolina, Syracuse, NC State at Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh and Maryland. Virginia's non-conference game, they're going to keep it in the Commonwealth and will play VMI. So Virginia, as scheduled, will play play VMI and then 10 ACC games. That's how you open the season. Um, I mean, everybody kind of looks to Notre Dame's schedule. Who's Notre Dame? Who is that? That Notre? They're playing Western Michigan. That's right. Duke, Western Michigan, Wake Forest to start the year. Then an open date. Then it's Florida State, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Boston College, open date, North Carolina, and that's on a Friday in Syracuse. It is entirely possible we get Notre Dame in the ACC championship this year. With one loss to Clemson? With that one loss to Clemson. Now, Clemson will play Wake Forest, a yet-to-be-announced non-conference opponent in Week 2. They'll have an open date, then they really get rolling. Virginia, Miami, both at home, at Georgia Tech. Syracuse and Boston College at home. And then three of their final four games are on the road. At Notre Dame, open date, at Florida State, Pittsburgh, and then Virginia Tech on the road on December 5th. What are the rivalry games that you care about watching? Virginia, Virginia Tech, Week 2. That game is that game played at the end of the year usually? It is. Okay. I'm not completely up to date on my ACC rivalries. Yeah, they don't have many. 
North Carolina Duke is on November 7th. North Carolina, North Carolina State's usually earlier in the season, though, isn't it? Or is that the one that's at the end? I don't know. Miami, Florida State, also week three. That's usually early, though. Yeah. It is. It's a league that's really lacking in rivalry games, just in general. Well, that I mean, may be the why big... the whole SEC-ACC thing is such a big deal, because those are legit that's, rivalry that's the games. They don't have them in their conference. Florida-Florida State might be the best rivalry there. And then, you know, Clemson-South Carolina and Georgia-Georgia Tech. Within the conference, yeah. I mean, they wanted Florida State-Miami to become a national rivalry, but it, it did, did. the two programs have just fallen off. You know, Clemson-Florida State, you know, not really. So... Florida State Miami on Labor Day night still's got a little sauce to it. They just don't do it. Well, it, it does for you and I because we can remember the old days when that that was the biggest game of the year. I think for people Borky's age and younger, Florida Florida State Miami is is not important at all. I, Aside yeah. from the what was it three consecutive years of missed field goals to to end the game, yeah. All the wide right, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, there was a good. You know, 10 years where that game was a top-five matchup every year. Oh, absolutely there was. Yeah. And I guess that was the maybe the – even though the programs have fallen off a little bit, if you pit those two teams against each other on Monday, Labor Day night to open the season, I think there are enough people that do remember that, hey, Dad, that are like, hey, I'm in for that. Oh, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I agree with that, but at the same time, it's college football, man. You, Put whoever you want out there, and you'll get people watching. So that game doesn't do anything for it. Like, if I said pick one game to be on Labor Day night, year in, year out. So a season opener? Yeah, season uh, opener. Clo- closing out the opening weekend. That's a good question, you know, in terms of a game. Because you want a game that's going to happen every year. We don't want one of these one-offs that, you know, it's Alabama, USC this year, and then it's LSU, Oregon State next year. I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I'd have to think about that. I'd put Florida State Miami on the list for yeah. sure. Was it you had Virginia Tech, Florida State one year? Yeah, Florida State has been kind of a mainstay. In yeah, they play on Labor Day. Yeah, yeah, played Ole Miss on Labor Day. Obviously, I'd, yes, I remember it well. <laughs> Boy, you want to talk about a game that had a range of emotions? <laughs> talk about a game that Haydad didn't see the second half of. Well, no, no, brother, I watched every minute of it. Oh, I thought you mailed it in early on that one and found no, out the next I, morning. No, no, I had some friends that mailed it in in our group text, and I just remember waking up and one of them was like, "Are you guys telling the truth? Yeah. Did they really win?" I was like, "Yes." Thought DeAndre Francois was going to be a star, and he just um, <laughs> yes, yes just couldn't stay healthy. I thought he was going to die that night. I mean, he got just drilled a couple of times, yeah. popped up, and made some big old throws down the stretch. But didn't he have two consecutive years of pretty debilitating injuries? If I'm remembering correctly, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was um, that was the game where who was the cornerback for Ole Miss? Number five, Kendarius Webster. Ken Webster. Yeah, and he ultimately came back. He was never the same though. They they walked into that year thinking that he was locked down. Put him on an island. We'll play ten on ten. 
And then he went down. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. We had some texts come in on the ceasefire text line asking for us to uh, tweet a picture of the Great River flag. Borky, you're, you're capable of doing that, right? Yeah, I did that. I also tweeted uh, an image of what the flag could look like if Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern would put the logo on the back of their helmet, like yeah. some teams do elsewhere. Uh, so you can see that as well on our Twitter feed. There you go. So uh, Sports Talk M-I-S-S, Sports Talk M-I-S-S, uh, the place that originally, I guess, that designed the flag, and if you kind of want to read the background on it, it's the Old Try. Uh, apparently it's uh, some folks that are from Mississippi that now live in the Northeast, I think in Boston. I guess I have a graphic design company. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, it's there. It's pretty cool. So uh, check it out. Not telling you to like it or dislike it or anything else. It's just uh, some really good work there. And you can uh, you can check out the uh, Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, Sports Talk M-I-S-S, Borky. Put the uh, the flag logo and then also the uh, the three football helmets. Hey, Dad, you're looking at that. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it looks good. It's very sharp. And very really, sharp. really cool. And customizable. I said this back before when we were talking about this, but the thing that I noticed growing up in South Carolina where they have a unique state flag like this one, so if this gets adopted, the same thing could happen here. I mean, we had a South Carolina flag that was my high school colors that we carried on the field with us, but that was the state flag is branded everywhere there. And mm-hmm. if you go to a South Carolina game... Golf they have shirts, belts, hats, everything. everything. Yeah, and Clemson the same thing, and they're purple and orange, and Furman is purple and white, and the Citadel, that light blue, and they have a good red-looking one, too. We could do the same thing here with something like this, and it would be everywhere. And you could market the heck out of it, and slap the sticker on your car if you want to, and it, it would just be visible and recognizable. I would I would consider changing the license plate on the front of my truck. I'm not a big sticker on my truck guy, but for a long time, I've had the uh, the Magnolia flag as like the license plate on the front of my truck. I would I would swap it out to this. Absolutely. But we'll see. We'll see what the uh, flag commission... Have they gotten past the controversy on that yet? Are, are we up to a full, uh, full 12, I think it was? Or 9, or whatever the number was? I, I don't think we are. Last, I haven't seen anybody make that announcement. So. Well, if they're looking for people, you know, call us. Well, I think the governor's the only one that's got submission spots left, if if it hasn't been filled out yet. Well, then, Governor Reeves, yes, call us. Sir. We Although know you I'd... like football. You mentioned at your press conference about the mask mandate that you're doing it because you love football so much. Well, why not have Our... the, your three statewide football voices? Because and, and this is Borky, it. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying you're an Ole Miss guy. I'm not saying that. But maybe we have to replace you with Luke Johnson. That way we have. Ah, forget Luke. Th- He's a jerk. But that way we got all three major schools represented there. Luke's not a jerk, by the way. He's a, a wonderful person is, uh, and does great things. Great uh, man. What are you talking? Probably things? less of a jerk than any of the three of us, if we're being yeah, honest. Probably, probably yeah, if we were so. doing jerk yeah. rankings. He's last. He's very sure. at the way bottom. But I'm just saying, Tate. You've got three voices. That reach the entire state every single day. There's nobody else in the state that reaches every corner of the state that talks about sports. 
but us three. So, here's what you can do. Since you love Actually, football so I, much. I, I hate to derail this idea, but I think there's some qualifications for who he has to appoint. I think that's part they? of the I think that was part of the hold up. Yeah, whatever. I mean like I think maybe you've got to be part of the Evidently we're late on this too. The text lines lighten up with people telling us that uh they've put some people on there, including uh our friend Cyrus Ben, Chief Cyrus Ben. Well, they can get our input at least. They should. I mean, we drive opinions in this state, evidently. Uh, okay, so John Original says he has filled the spots. Good. Well, we, we can be consultants. Chief! Love Cyrus Ben. Can't wait to see him when uh, next time we go to uh, Pearl River Resort. Hey, uh, Ro- uh, Rondell Moore has opted out. That's tough. One of the best players in college football. Yeah. How much of that's going to happen? Well, I mean, he's out. Micah Parsons is out. One of the, the I mean, I got the top five pick for sure. Uh, they're going to see a few more for sure, I think. So I don't know. You know, Wait, Rondale Moore, that's that little freshman at Purdue that nobody can touch, right? Uh, he's a sophomore now, but yeah, he's out. Ooh, that stinks for them. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big, big loss. Um. So is he draft eligible? Uh, I'm reading this thing here. Yeah, over the last two years, he would have been a junior this year. Yeah, he is eligible. And he's so Rondale Moore will degree, so. no longer be playing football at Purdue University. He's fun to watch too. That's that's tough. Mm-hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi, college football fix just around the corner with you on this Thursday. PGA Championship still going on. Nobody's been able to catch Jason Day yet. He is five under par in the clubhouse. Bunch of guys at four under. Bunch of guys at three under. 17 players, three under or better for the tournament. More coming up. you just like Tiger Woods rolling in 150 feet of putts in his opening round at the 102nd PGA Championship in San Francisco at Harding Park. Maybe that was a stretch. Just trying to give it a go. Tie it all together there. Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Thank you for being with us on this Thursday. Want to be part of the show? Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That's the best way for you to connect with us. Spence, I know you're still out there. I'm sorry I haven't called you by name in a couple of weeks, according to you. I'm sorry that I've hurt your feelings. We love you. Don't go anywhere, buddy. Don't go anywhere. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to Gigabit C-Spire Fiber and see what the real Internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees, Learn more at cspire.com slash fiber. Let's get to the college football fix. Well, Fox 
music there. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Summer sales event going on right now as we roll through August. Great savings on the full lineup of Ford SUVs, plus test drive the F-150. I will personally vouch for it being the best truck on the road, but you don't have to take my word for it. Take the sales numbers word for it. 43 consecutive years. That's four decades and change that the F-150 has been the number one selling truck in America. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Uh, preseason top 25 coaches poll? Buddy, we got one. I mean, let's do it. Okay, if you say so. There's also some flaws in it, so it can feel really like normal. Is is Utah being ranked number 200 as you typed in one of the flaws? Uh, yeah, that would be one. They are 20. That, that's there's, not the one particularly there, you were talking about? There's an extra zero. No, I'm talking about who's at number five and who's at number 11. I think right. both of those are atrocious, but we'll get there. Let's do reverse order. We'll start at 25 and work our way back to number one. 25 through 21. Iowa State, Virginia Tech, Iowa, Cincinnati, and UCF. Is that confusing to do it that way? No, it's okay. No, you're fine. We're okay. Okay. So we're counting 25 backwards to number one. Iowa State, Matt Campbell's team, Virginia Tech, Justin Fuente, Iowa and Kirk Ferentz, Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, UCF, and Josh Heupel. Now I'm like on a mission. Can I name all the coaches that go with these teams as we go through? Give it a Kyle shot. Whittingham name, and I can, Utah. I can name the first five, yeah. Yeah, sure. Kyle Whittingham at Utah, his team at number 20. Or 200. Or 200, as Michael Borky writes it. Phil Longo's North Carolina Tar Heels. I'm sorry, Mac Brown's North Carolina Tar Heels checking in at number 19. Got Longo, the power behind the, the throne. I got a text from him the other day. Did he thank me for all the positive publicity I've been giving him? He did. He did. He wanted me to tell you thank you over the air. Just randomly, he's like, hey, man, just checking in. Hope everything's going well. I was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, Phil, that's nice. great. Hope things nice. are going well with you, for too. For a guy well. you twins ravage. For a guy you just run down every chance you get. Me? You? I don't run down Phil Longo. I Borky does. I've always liked him. He's not. He's I, like, yeah. I don't run him down because of his uh, personality. Having that group of wide receivers and being the worst red zone <laughs> offense in the SEC there's, is... There's some truth there. I mean, come on now. But there, uh, real quick, there's certainly some truth there. Real quick, by the way, should they rank group of five teams this year? Hardly any of them are going to play a power five game. UCF got one, right? They got an ACC team. Maybe. I don't know. If Liberty can win a couple of theirs, they should be ranked. Uh, P.J. Fleck in Minnesota checking in at number 18. Clay Helton's Southern Cal Trojans at 17. I'm assuming that's not South Carolina. That is Southern Cal. South Carolina did not receive a single vote. Uh, Mike Gundy of OAN in Oklahoma State at number 16. The Michigan Wolverines checking in at number 15. Tough to recover the loss of Shea Patterson. Overrated. A McCaffrey brother may start there this year. That's right, yeah. Might have been, should have been starting there for the last two years. I don't know. Just saying. Uh, Texas 
Tom Horn, uh, Herman and the Fighting Texas Longhorns at 14. They are back. They are so back. Jimbo's Aggies one spot ahead at number 13. You think that puts a little burr in the saddle of Texas to have Texas A&M ranked in front of them? They're probably more annoyed by all the A&M fans who are talking smack right this second. Um, Paul Christ in Wisconsin at number 12. Underrated. Very good football coach. Good coach. Without knowing their schedule, they'll probably if they play ten games, they'll win eight of them. Yep. If they played twelve, they wouldn't ten. I mean, that's just kind of what they do. That'd be a fun program to cheer for. Consistency. I love cheese. I mean, I'm sure there are some Wisconsin fans like, why can't we take the next step? We're winning ten a year. Yeah. You've been to like five Rose Bowls in the last. I mean, they they were they would have been. They would have been in the playoffs, I think, twice, but they just couldn't win a Big Twelve, the Big Ten championship game. So I mean, you're you're, you're on the precipice. Ohio State, right? Right, but you're you're on the precipice. You just you got to keep getting into those situations. Eventually, you will break through. Auburn and the Gus Bus checking in at number eleven. They've lost almost everything. What justifies them being eleventh in the country? It's just it's just painful. It's just painful to watch. You know they're going to lose four. Well, I guess maybe not four this year because of the way the schedule works, but come on. So you think Auburn now goes eight and two? I guess we need to wait and see the schedule. Wasn't that well, supposed I mean, to come out? I mean, Will hey, hey, said it thing. was coming out yesterday. I, I, can give, I know they'll lose, they'll lose three right off the top of my head. Alabama, Georgia, and, uh, and LSU. Notre Dame at number 10. Wake up the echoes, Brian Kelly. Borky's favorite coach. Mario Cristobal's Oregon Ducks at number nine. That's a dark horse to go undefeated. Remember we when the Pac-12 announced their list of demands, one of the key players that supported that list of demands was the offensive lineman from Oregon, who mm-hmm. is an NFL first-round draft pick? Right. Well... His dad was quoted in a story today that said he is going to he's preparing to play this season. So you can remove one bit of leverage away from the Pac-12 players in that list of demands. You think you even called him like, "Dad, you didn't have to say that today." Or he called his son and was like, uh, "I saw what you tweeted. Son, you are playing." End of story. Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators checking in in the coaches poll at preseason number 8. Oh, well, you know. I'm going to be a top 10 program. I'm going to compete for championships for little effort. A lot of strain. Half teams are going to win. Half teams are going to lose. Floor's going to be pretty good, I think. They're going to be really good. Uh, Jimmy Franklin and Penn State at number seven. They announced today no fans. That stadium looks great full. That stadium is going to look horrible empty. It'll be really weird, yeah. No, it just like I, it looks like a big old erector set. You ever seen a picture that, of it empty? That that that's a fan base or a a, a university that they make a, such a big deal about having a full house and and what their and their fan base. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird to not have it. Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma program at number six. I mean, you want to talk about a model of consistency? I know he's still relatively young in his career, but I mean, does he have anything left to prove? I mean, they need to win a national championship. He wants to win a national championship. Yeah, Bob Stoops did it one time. One time in what seventeen years? Yeah, it's hard to win a national championship. It's just hard. Again, keep knocking on the door. Eventually, you will get it. 
Eddie O and LSU, the reigning national champs, checking in at number five. It, see, and this is just somebody different. knows something I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 and no. preseason polls throw a bone to last year's national okay. champion or previously good team. I get that, but how can you objectively? That roster's pretty dang talented. It I mean, is that's how ton of talent, but uh, completely I mean, unproven. I mean, entirely. They were ninth. I don't think we'd be saying anything. But fifth is that's high. I mean, Kirby and Georgia at four, Alabama at three, underrated. Ohio State at two, Clemson, your preseason number one. Once again. I think the bigger issue would have been if I could not have named all 25 coaches in the preseason top 25. We probably would have had an issue then. So there it is. Preseason top 25 coaches poll. Now let's just have a season. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. What's the rivalry game that's not going to be played this year that you'll miss the most? I'll tell you mine. The Holy War. <laughs> we don't get BYU-Utah to open the season this year, should've, but... I guess that one, yeah. BYU will open the 2020 season in a nationally televised game on ESPN against the Naval Academy on Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. 7 o'clock Central kickoff. Go Cougs or go America? America, always. America. Well, I mean, I, I was kidding. No holy war is a travesty. What so, seriously, it... which, one are you, which one are you most disappointed by? I mean, it... most most ref, everything. So you know, conference uh, rivalries are still going to exist. So maybe Florida, Florida State would have liked. I, I I was getting like a, a little bit well, of a whiff. You know. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I was getting a little bit of a whiff of you know Mullen dominated Florida the first or Florida State, and 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 now Norvell is there, and I was wondering if that was going to be how it was in the Egg Bowl where he dominated the first few years, then Hugh Free showed up. I, I was wondering if we could get a little bit of that. You cheer against Dan Mullen now? I don't cheer against him, but I just see him for what he is—an outstanding football coach who does not recruit well enough to win championships. It's changing. It's not. Florida's recruiting better than they have. Are they recruiting better than Georgia? Are they recruiting better than Georgia? No. You said he doesn't recruit well enough to win a national championship. I mean, he, the jury's still out on that in Florida. You, you got to you got to out recruit the other teams in your in, in your division. If he's going to be at a talent disadvantage every year to nah, Georgia, I'm going to disagree and, with you. You don't have to out recruit them, but you've got to be recru- recruiting at basically the same level. Hold on one second. I just want to see something. I'm pretty sure I'm right on this too. There has been some attrition. He has signed two top ten classes back to back. Yeah, the, the 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 first class though, he lost like half of it. Yeah, it was started. a mess. But I mean, that was year one. You you generally give guys a break in year one, don't you? 
I mean, Florida has the 11th rated class in the country right now, but they have 23 commitments. Okay. And there's a reason for that. Georgia has 11 commitments, and they're 15th. So Georgia's average star rating per player is 93.4. Florida's is 89.2. So what, um, what that says is when Georgia gets to 22, 23 commitments, they're going to be in the top two or three. Right. And you I mean, could certainly – I look, I mean, far be it for me to be the guy defending Dan Mullen. I just don't think – You're such a homer for Mullen. Gosh. I mean, look, I, I guess the point that I'm making is if Florida recruits, you know, over a four-year cycle, a four-year window, at an average of 6 to 10 in the national rankings, and Georgia recruits at an average of 3 to 7 in the national rankings, or, or 3 to 5 in the national rankings over a four-year period, I don't think there's that much of a talent difference. I think you've now got rosters that are comparable in terms of talent. Well, we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't think Dan Mullen will will ever win an SEC championship at Florida. You don't think he'll win an SEC championship? No, because I don't. Because if he gets past, first off, he has to play George and LSU every year. Those are two teams that are going to out recruit him. And then if he does get there, he's going to have to play Alabama. He's never beaten Saban. He's only been close to him once. Mike in Oxford says Saban couldn't recruit to Starkville. We get another message that says, my goodness, hey, Dad, he was recruiting to Starkville. What's, what's, what's your point? The po- well, you're saying that he's not a good recruiter, and they're saying I mean, he's, 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 not a good he's recruiter. recruiting to Florida now, not to Starkville. Well, then why, why is he not getting top two or three classes like Georgia and Alabama are in LSU? He's not a good recruiter. He, 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 would, he would tell you that. Has he put together a staff that is now the? No, he's got the same guys working for him down there that he had in Starkville. Hevesy, Gonzalez, Knox, all the guys who were not good recruiters in Starkville, they're not good recruiters in Gainesville. Quinn says, "Look at the defense he left behind in Starkville." Yeah. Oh yeah, but I mean, Montez Sweat wasn't that highly recruited. Errol Thompson wasn't that highly recruited. Abram wasn't that highly recruited. Simmons was, but you know, for the most part, those were dim- a lot. There were a lot of diamonds on the rough that he hit on there. Now, guy's a great evaluator, great developer of talent, but he's never going to get a ton of five-star guys. Better coach, Kirby Smart or Dan Mullen? Dan Mullen. That gap is pretty wide, I think, too. Yes. But Mullen also has the problem of he's just, in big games, he he tightens up so much sometimes. It's, it's, it's just, for whatever reason. Either that or he wears shorts. Yeah, he does do that. Oh, here's one that says, hey, Dad, I love you. I'm a bulldog, but Mullen was the best coach we've had in our history. No one will ever win a national championship at Mississippi State in football. Did, did I send that text? I might as well have. Who's Who said otherwise? Mullen is the best coach in Mississippi State history. Mississippi State will never win a national championship in football. You're not telling me anything there, buddy. Somebody says the holy war should be Notre Dame and BYU. What about Liberty? Let's throw them into the mix. I think we're talking, I think we're talking about different religions there. I mean, that's kind of the thing. Is It's Mormon v. Mormon when BYU and Utah get together. Anyway. T-Smart text line, 601-879-4395. Quinn says recruiting has everything to do with talent evaluation. Yeah, I don't know that anybody necessarily... Disagrees with that. He does point out that Justin Jefferson was a two-star player coming out of high school. Pretty good that's, pedigree. That's sort of 
inaccurate, but what do you mean? Jefferson was he was not like a two star? No, he was a two star. I think on Scout as they were going out of business, he was a consensus three star on twenty four seven. Hold on a second. Did Bryson DeChambeau just broke his driver on purpose? No, he hit a golf ball and his driver had snapped off. Gotta lay off the <laughs> juice, man. <laughs> Why do I find that so funny? Because what Brooks is going to tweet later, that's why? Adam Schefter getting in on the action. Don't see this often. DeShambo actually just broke his driver in the middle of the PGA Championship. He's got a smile on his face about it. Because that's just a torque thing. Or somebody in the equipment bus really failed him. One way or the other. Only swinging 130 miles an hour, 135 miles an hour, something like that. I, I, I don't think that's a, probably not what Cobra Golf wanted to see. Man, happen. when you said that at first, I was hoping that like he hit his club on his bag or something and broke it that yeah, way. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. Three woods from Golf now on. Golf riders are having a heyday with this, by the way. Oh, man. What's sad is he still hits his three-wood like 315, so it's no, not like he's yeah, going to lose much that. distance. I understand that. That's fantastic. Yeah, Brooks will have fun with that, won't he? Oh, you know it. Brett McMurphy trying to be topical. Bryson DeChambeau's driver has opted out of the first round. Justin Jefferson was a three-star <laughs> according to 24-7. According to Rivals, he was a two-star. Who uses Rivals? <laughs> oh, he's a three on 24-7. They nailed that one either. No, but I mean, so many. I mean, basically on 24-7, you're a three-star just if you get an offer from a, a major college. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know golf rules. He can't. He doesn't. There's no backup driver, nope. is there? You can't nope. go get a driver out of the clubhouse and be like, hey, sell me a one driver back. real quick. He can add one after the round before his bag tomorrow, but he is down to 13 clubs. That's tough. Will asks if it's bad for his image. Uh, there's a camera on him right now. I wonder if that's frustrating him. He actually seems to be taking it quite well. He's laughing about it. His agent probably told him to chill out. Perhaps. Hey, you're uh, making yourself look worse by berating cameramen for doing their jobs. Stop that. Six minutes left. Bucks up one on Miami, 107-106. That's a big comeback. They were down big at the half. Sacramento beat New Orleans by 15. Phoenix beat Indiana by 15, 114-99. Clippers and the Mavericks tonight. Portland and Denver. Big game for Portland. Yep. And the Lake Show is playing Houston without LeBron tonight. The Thunder Portland's going to be in a point where they pass Memphis, man. I mean, that and Phoenix, I'm not saying, like, David Brandt said, he's like, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm interested. Suddenly, that young roster that's filled with, like, high-level lottery picks because they've sucked for so long is now really talented and good. Rockies up a couple on San Francisco in the bottom of the eighth, 6-4. Angels up 6-1 on Seattle, middle, headed to the bottom of the ninth. After an inning, Phillies up 3-zip on the Yankees. Cleveland with an early 1-0 lead on Cincinnati. St. Louis still not playing tonight. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky has a rules update. Yeah, so he can uh, fix the club. It's a part of the modernization of golf's rules. So under the new rule, a player is allowed to keep using or replace or, or repair. That's a key thing, not replace or repair any club damage during the round, no matter what the damage was or even if the player damaged it in anger. So you could break it over your bag and keep using that club if you can uh, fix it. But you cannot replace a damaged club except when it's damaged during the round by an outside influence or natural forces or by someone other than the player or his caddy. So I don't have the audio on, obviously, because we're on the air right now, but I bet that Bryson is arguing that that was an outside influence that damaged the club, and so he's going to get a full replacement. That's what I would argue if I were him, and apparently they're getting him a new one. Uh, so that's that's his stance, is that it was an outside what, what influence. outside influence would that be? A protein shake? <laughs> I mean, maybe quite simply, you could argue that you didn't do anything abnormal to the club. That is just standard use of it, and the head came off, which means it wasn't my doing that broke it or anybody's doing that broke it. It just it happened, and therefore... I should be able to replace it. I bet that's what he argued without seeing the audio. That's what I would have argued. Hmm. That makes sense, right? Especially at this level, too. I mean, you've got these equipment trucks that all the players have access to. If they hit a tree root or something and they break off a shaft... No, actually, I disagree with you. I think um, Bryson DeChambeau should have to unearth (laughs) with his mighty Hulk-like strength a tree root... (laughs) <laughs> and use that to hit golf balls off the tee on long par fours and fives. I'm not sure they're going to let him swap it out. I, again, I'm watching with no audio as well. Um, so we get a text here. According to the, the rules official, a local rule says it can be replaced. So there it is. Okay. So he's got a new driver. I hope it's set up to the exact same specifications and went through a spritz test. If not, he's putting together a good round right now, by the way. He's two. He's got two birdies and five pars so far. Two under through seven. Bryson DeChambeau wearing a Tam, Tam O'Shanter lid. Um, remember when it felt like uh, Major League Baseball players were kind of playing fast and easy with the COVID rules? No more. Somebody got serious at uh, Major League Baseball's offices. And I'm talking about got serious. New guidelines released by Major League Baseball. Here's what they're requiring. These are they're being referred to as revised protocols. Players and staff wear face coverings at all times, including the dugout and clubhouse, with the exception of players on the field. Includes all coaches on the field, every member of the umpiring crew. They must also wear face coverings at all times in the hotel and at public places on the road. Clubs are now required to reduce the size of their traveling parties to only personnel who are absolutely essential to playing games. 
The compliance officer with each team must certify that every member of the traveling party served an essential function on the road trip. This is where it gets crazy. Staff and players are strictly prohibited from meeting in hotel rooms while on the road, including to share food, and may not gather in any public areas of the hotel without permission from the team's compliance officer. Each team will make at least one private large room at the hotel with food and other amenities that is configured to allow for social distancing. Yet, while eating and drinking, individuals are discouraged from talking to one another or even facing one another. In related news, chew with your mouth closed. On road trips, clubs must provide a minimum of four buses with a fully unoccupied row between players and staff members, and they are prohibiting side-by-side seating. On planes, players and staff are prohibited from having more than two individuals in a row, and they cannot sit across from one another. Also prohibited from leaving their seats except to use the lavatory. Players and staff members also must wear surgical masks or N95, KN95 respirators on the plane. Cloth face coverings not acceptable while on an airplane. Eating and drinking are still permitted on planes, but players and staff are prohibited from talking to one another at the same time. Don't talk with your mouth full. Same thing Grandma said. Any player or staff member must notify their compliance officer if they intend to leave the hotel on the road for any reason. The officer will decide whether their planned trip outside the hotel complies with the manual and the club's code of conduct. All clubs are now required to provide outdoor covered spaces for all visiting players and staff members to sit. Whenever possible, players are encouraged to eat outdoors instead of inside the clubhouse. While at home, players and staff members are strictly prohibited from visiting bars, lounges, malls, or any other places in which large groups gather. Players and staff who have been ordered to quarantine or isolate on the road may not leave their hotel room under any circumstance. Any club official who does not receive permission from the commissioner's office to end their quarantine or isolation is subject to discipline that discipline could be up to uh, revocation of their playing privileges. This will wake them up. Make examples of people. Make things impossible. If you screw up, you're going to lose your job. It's the only way. The real loser here is the wing chef at Magic City. Memo says any covered individuals, whether players or club staff, who are found to have repeatedly or flagrantly violated the protocols, including refusing to wear a face covering when required and reminded to do so, risks being prohibited from further participation in the 2020 season and postseason. In the case of players, subject to the just cause provisions in the basic agreement, Commissioner's Office will send written warnings prior to any such action being taken. You know what? They may get the whole season in. Seriously. Pretty serious wake-up call with the Marlins and the Cardinals. You'll see the same thing in the NFL, too. I mean, it's not ideal, of course. And we've got one individual that just loves to remind us every day that football is not going to happen this year. And God bless you for living the way that you do. Uh, But... I mean, when you read through all this, and what, you've seen what baseball's done lately, where 
no negatives in the or no positives. Excuse me, in the last round of testing, if we get this strict, I mean, maybe we it will work out. Maybe we will have a full football season with some interruptions and stuff yeah. and a bumpy road. But if if this is what it takes, I feel confident that they're actually going to get something done here. If you tell a college football player that they'll be kicked out of the university, if not not for contracting the virus, but if they do things the wrong way, they're going to do things the right way, I think. And the ones that don't, did you really want them on the team anyway? Because they're obviously not smart enough to figure it out. So, Borky, with with the news about the uh, the player from Oregon who was part of the 11-person signature group that signed the original We Are United letter, is, is that the first sign of backpedaling from the players? It might be. I mean, that, that would be my first guess, is that um, it, it didn't, it wasn't as well received as they thought. And I, from the beginning, I thought that it was very odd that there was only a handful of players that publicly mentioned this in any way, that Larry Scott's response was to only 11 players, whereas the Big Ten, in their list of demands, they they referenced a number, and that number may be far fetched, but at least they, they said refer, they referenced a thousand players. Yeah, uh, and it, so maybe that's inaccurate. But you also saw players from across the Big Ten publicly say, "Hey, we're we're in on this." So I, I from the beginning I thought, you know, maybe this Pac-12 boycott list of demands is being overblown with how many people are actually involved. Because I saw an Arizona player, for example, I don't even know who the kid is, doesn't matter. He said, I want to be a part of it, but I've got to play football. I've got to stay in school and I've got to play ball. So I I would like to support my guys, but i got to play. And I have a feeling that when it came down to it, when it's, hey, you're not going to play this year if you're with us, a lot of guys decided, you know what, I want to stay in school and I want to play ball, and good luck. I'll support you, but I'll do it wearing my uniform.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.